Women have been giving birth for centuries, so it's a pretty natural experience, right? Wrong. I'm Stephanie King, professional doula, childbirth educator, and the creator of the My Essential Birth Course, the online childbirth education course that's helping women everywhere confidently achieve their best birth. Today's culture would have us think that birth should be treated like an illness or an emergency, and that most of us need other people telling us what's best for our bodies because we aren't the experts. So sit tight, because if you're tuning into this podcast, you'll probably start to believe in your body, your intuition, and find yourself empowered and confident to do what it takes to have the birth of your dreams. If you like listening to me take you through these weekly topics step-by-step, then you're going to love the My Essential Birth course. Make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast and definitely head over to myessentialbirth.com for the free downloads mentioned right here in these episodes and to join the birth course and community full of pregnant moms just like you. I have to add a disclaimer that I am not a medical professional and I cannot provide medical advice. All of the information expressed in this podcast are based off of personal, professional, and educational experiences and are my own opinions. Please work with a provider you trust for medical advice during your pregnancy and birth. Hey, it's time for another reviewer of the week. And this one is, I'm probably going to butcher it. It's B-E-J-O-M-O. I don't know if it's Behomo or Bajomo. <laughs> I'm really not sure. But she left a review and she left it on, well, it, okay, it showed on Valentine's Day. So I felt very loved by this review. So thank you. <laughs> she says, seriously good info, no matter how many births you've had. I'm currently pregnant with my third baby and stumbled on this podcast, and I'm so happy I did. I am planning for my first unmedicated birth, and I feel so prepared and confident after listening to actually binging these episodes. I went back to the beginning, and I'm working my way through all of them because the information is so good, and the host is so fun to listen to. I actually ended up buying the course and am loving it. But even with just the podcast episodes, you get such a wealth of knowledge to be prepared for any birth you want. Highly, highly recommend. Thank you, whoever you are, (laughs) with your awesome name. I really appreciate it. I'm so glad that you are loving and binging and doing all the things. I, I have to tell you guys, when you leave reviews like this, it makes me feel really grateful to just be even the slightest part, like the tiniest little part of your birth story. Because I know that like everything that we listen to, everything that we consume becomes just a part of our birth story. So I'm really, really, I want you to feel the gratitude and the love I have for you for being a part of that. Um, okay, let's jump into this week's episode. I have with me here, her name is Kaylin. She is a gem. I, I love her. I know that you guys are going to love her. <laughs> But when she originally reached out to me, I had no idea what she did. <laughs> Which like, is fair. <laughs> occupational what? <laughs> Say that again. Also, why don't I know about these? So uh, without further ado, I just want to kind of jump in. And yeah. she is an occupational therapist. Um, and I want her to introduce herself. So take a moment, introduce yourself, your family, everything. And then we're going to jump into this topic a little deeper so that we can talk to pregnant and birthing women about this very important information. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me today, Stephanie. It's really an honor. And I've been listening to Stephanie's podcast when I was pregnant. So it's just really cool being here and in the studio and seeing it real time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I am an occupational therapy student. I grew up in Maryland. I'm the oldest of three siblings and just grew up very close to my parents. Um, I would attribute way I am today because of them, attribute who I am today um, because of them. And grew up very active, um, hiking and camping and doing all the sports. Um, 
And then I went to undergraduate, got my bachelor's of science degree at James Madison University. And for those of you who aren't familiar, um, it's in Harrisonburg, Virginia, surrounded by the Shenandoah Mountains <laughs> and Blue Ridge Mountains. And it's beautiful. And that's where I absolutely fell in love with the mountain ranges and doing everything outside. And um, that's where I met my husband. And we both enjoyed doing everything outside and hiking and camping. And um, that's where I fell in love with occupational therapy and I knew I wanted to pursue that as my career. I took a year off and I worked for Johns Hopkins as a rehab aide and worked at a local hospital and that's where I was figuring out where I wanted to go to college and pursue this degree. I, I knew I didn't want to be in Maryland but I didn't know what state or what region I wanted to be in and I ended up choosing Mont Montana, a program called Rocky Mountain College, a doctorate of occupational therapy program in, Rocky, in Billings, Montana. And I, it was the biggest jump I've done in my life because it's the furthest I was going to live from home. Um, but I absolutely love the past two years I had there. Um, that's actually where I also had my son Lincoln, who's now four months old. That's awesome. Um, and yeah, now I'm, I'm here in Utah. We, my, hu my husband and Lincoln and I moved here to Salt Lake and I'm doing my clinical rotations and finishing up my last year of graduate school before I get my doctorate in occupational therapy and we're here for the f foreseeable future. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm happy to have you here. I, it makes me curious, how did you, what were you taking in school that brought you to occupational therapy? Was that like from the beginning you knew this, this term and that's what you wanted to do or? So I became familiar with the term in high school. Um, okay but I still wasn't really sure what I wanted to do in high school. I just, I knew I wanted to work in healthcare um, to help people some way, somehow. But it wasn't until I went to James Madison University, I was part of a club called Overcoming Barriers. Mm. And I worked with, well, the club stands for you, they pull in people from the community and they pair, pair you up with them. And you work with them for, I think it was about six to eight weeks. And you just work on the goals that they came in with. Um, mm. So for... The young lady I was paired with, she was a 21-year-old young lady. She had Down syndrome, and she was wheelchair dependent. So her mom was really concerned about her quality of life and being able to leave the home in case of an emergency. So we worked together through our time. I got to know her, figured out what motivated her, and she made significant improvements, and she was able to walk two sets of stairs um, just by holding on the railing without my assistance. Um, wow. And just that experience with her made me realize like how powerful working in rehab and therapy can be. Yeah. Um, so that's where I knew I wanted to go that route. But occupational therapy resonated more with me um, just because it's so client-centered and you bring it back to the function of the person and addressing activities in daily life. And okay, so yeah, yeah. will and you expand I'll go on right that? into yeah. occupational therapy. <laughs> Tell me about occupational therapy. Yeah. Um, so, kind of like the way broad, I describe and then it. Maybe bring yeah. it back because we're. I want to make sure that we're talking about pregnancy yeah, and birth course. and all of that too in the postpartum, but and what you do specifically. But yeah. I know it's this like broad, right? Like yeah. it covers a lot of things. Oh yeah, and a lot of people don't know what occupational therapy is. So like that's why I love being here today and talking about <laughs> yeah. it because the word needs to get out. And yeah. I think a lot of people. I'll get into it, but a lot of people just see it in like one light and we right. cover such a huge realm. So the way I describe occupational therapy is it's a holistic approach to healthcare that helps individuals get back to doing activities of daily living and 
meaningful things in their everyday life. So by holistic, what do I mean? And we focus on the whole person. So the brain, musculoskeletal system, we don't just focus on where's the problem? What's the condition? How do we treat it? We focus on, okay, what are environmental factors that impact this? What are social factors that impact this? Mm-hmm. Um, how is the mind impacting, impacting this? Spiritual factors. And we just encompass the whole person in this holistic lens, yeah. um, which is what I love so much about it. And it looks different for each individual because it is client-centered. Our approach is different because it's whatever that person wants to address. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for example, occupations are things that, consume your time day to day so that could be getting in and out of bed going downstairs to make food prep meals for the next day driving to work socializing and communicating with family and friends um hiking getting outside it could be anything that consumes your time really wow um so it's very vague in that sense because (laughs) it could be anything right um yeah so what are you specializing in? yeah so right now i am working when my first field work ro- rotation my clinical is um with early intervention so that's working with babies zero to three months and we help to help them create or hit their milestones and make sure that they're on track developmentally for the rest of you know their growth and development and we there's not one specific condition that we focus on or that we see in this age group it can be anywhere from a baby that's born premature a baby that's born with cerebral palsy or has uh, any medical diagnosis um, or maybe they're just developmentally delayed and the and it's a family coaching model so we help the parents and we're in the homes it's very intimate um, and we help coach the parents through the next steps and how to progress and encourage their kids to get to that next Reminds me of dog training. They were like, it's the training's not for your dog, it's for you. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's awesome. Okay. So early intervention, and it kind of makes me wonder. Well, and my first question for you, I think, was like, well, first of all, like, why don't people know about this? Yeah. And how do they come to know about it? Like yeah. who ends up getting offered occupational therapy services? Yeah. And how? So uh, it just depends on the setting. We Because we, we work throughout the lifespan, we start as young as a premature baby in the NICU all the way to helping with end-of-life care with the geriatric population. So it really does vary on the setting that you're in, the population that you're working with. But um, a lot of times occupational therapy will be an automatic referral depending on your diagnosis. So, okay. for example, if someone has a hip replacement, you automatically we'll see an occupational therapist in the hospital before you go home. So how's that diff- different from physical therapist? That's a great question <laughs> because people ask that all the time. I feel like it's, are you a doula or a midwife? Right. <laughs> yeah, so different. Yeah. Um, so physical therapy, I would say, focuses more on building the strength, um, increasing range of motion, and versus occupational therapy encompasses that a little bit but then it also focuses on okay in order to do what so in order to what would you like to get back to doing oh I'm I'm a rock climber I really want to get back to rock climbing okay so that's what we're going to focus on um and again that depends on the setting that you're in so if you're in the hospital things that we focus on are getting out of bed toileting hygiene brushing your teeth eating um 
with babies, like I'm doing now with early intervention, we focus on the milestones, making sure that they're feeding themselves, making sure that they can nurse properly, making sure that they're crawling, walking. Um, and then it's a lot of it is incorporated with fine motor play. But I, I would like to touch on is it's not just working with the hands and the arms and the upper body because that's, I feel like it's an oft, often a stereotype that our field has, okay. um, just working with the upper body. But mm. we do more than that, but that is where we focus on the fine motor. Okay. We also work on gross motor. But. So do people come to you if and only if there's an issue? So yes and no. It would It's dependent on the state and your insurance coverage. So most of the time you would you will always need in order to seek occupational therapy services you'll need a referral from a primary care provider or a doctor um, so they need to believe that they can benefit from services from you in some way somehow so does it necessarily have to be a diagnosis no or an injury no but it has to be a referral a reason that the doctor thinks that we should see them. So it couldn't be anybody could just come to us. We don't have that capability yet. We don't have direct services. Yeah. Hopefully one day we'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> but um, no, it has to be a direct referral from a doctor. So could a mom go to a pediatrician and request services from occupational therapy? To my understanding, yes. And what would some of the, I mean, you can't answer this because I'm sure it's case by case and city by city and whatever else. But right, like, right, right. what are some of the things that a mother could request services for? So there's Some examples. Yeah, there's a lot of ways that um, occupational therapists can help mothers. You, I mean, you even mentioned like breastfeeding. Yeah, and so yeah. Like it makes me curious because I hadn't even heard of an occupational therapist. So like, if I wanted to request services, yeah. what do I need to be working on? Okay. Um, so again, it depends state <laughs> to state, right? <laughs> yeah. I can't preface that enough. Right. Um, and what insurance will reimburse for? But um, some of the things that we can address, especially for the motherly population postpartum and um, during pregnancy is uh, posture for bottle and breastfeeding, musculoskeletal disorders or conditions, um, ergonomics, self-care, mindfulness, uh, mental health, postpartum depression is a really big one. Sleep, roles and routines, especially how that will change with new moms transitioning to that role because as we know, your life's changed forever. adaptations and compensations to support these changes. Um, We can also help with splinting for certain conditions like carpal tunnel, Mm -hmm. um, which is in the wrist. And that's a very um, common condition that we'll see that comes up with moms because you're holding your baby now and Mm -hmm. you're holding, you're using your wrist in ways you've never used before. Um, And then specifically with babies, um, care for babies after delivery, the feeding, whether it's breastfeeding or feeding them with food. Um, supporting their developmental milestones, like I said, and then sensory strategies to help um, promote a maternal infant bond that's huge. So would a mom, I'm curious, if if a mom is suffering with postpartum depression, Mm -hmm. for example, and goes to her OB provider to talk about this, is that where this conversation of occupational therapy could come up? To my knowledge, yes. And... Are there scenarios where maybe that individual would be better served with a psychologist? I don't know. 
So I don't want to speak like no, definitively. Yeah, I just want, yeah. I feel like if we're going to talk about it, I want women yeah. to know that they have the option because I feel like a lot of the times, myself included, going to a provider and talking to them about I'm having these issues gets pushed towards mm-hmm. psychiatric or psychologist or medication mm-hmm. um, versus like what you're talking about, this whole body approach and more holistic, mm-hmm. like what if I wanted to try that rather yeah. than aiming for the medicine. So I just wondered like, how would a mom get there? You yeah, know? definitely. It would be, the first step would be talking to your primary care okay. provider about it and seeing again, depending on the state you're in, it's not a very, um, it's a very non-traditional area for OTs to be specialized in working specifically to address mental health for moms. It's out there and it's a hundred percent absolutely within our scope of practice and we, we address it. Yeah. But in terms of finding that specific therapist in a specific setting that will address that solely, um, that might, might be limiting to find that exactly. But if you're seeing, for example, if you, um, you do want services with feeding breastfeeding sure and that because for me that was a huge mental health um barrier for me i i really struggled with that um you can go through early intervention services and that is provided in every state it varies state to state what they provide with reimbursement and whether it's through the school system or an outpatient clinic but that is available everywhere so you can go through them and request ot through that you have to get okay. an evaluation and everything, but... And that sounds like it goes through pediatrics. Is that correct? It's Well, it depends. So in Utah, it's under the Utah Department of um, Health. Okay. So it depends um, on what state you're in and who they're through. But would it go through your pediatrician? Like if you're talking early intervention, you're talking about babies. It goes through insurance specifically. But would a pediatrician be the referring party? Um. Like if not I'm, for early intervention, because anybody okay. can get into early intervention. So who, you don't need what a provider do you need to go to <laughs> to get the referral? You well, know what I mean? Well, for early intervention, at least for the state of Utah, my understanding is that you don't need a referral to get into early oh, intervention services. But for like an adult to see okay. an occupational therapist, you would need that referral piece. This is stressful. It's, <laughs> it is so confusing. It is so confusing. Oh. But But when we are working with women to address anything, whether it's specific to a carpal tunnel or whether it's specific to feeding their baby. Our lens as occupational therapy is that holistic view where, right. okay, let's talk about your routines. Like yeah. maybe there's something in your routine that we can change to help with this specific pain. Maybe there's something, maybe it's the positioning that we can help with the breastfeeding. Maybe it's the timing. Maybe it's the environment we can like, you know, dim the lights or something in, you know, yeah. So it's very confusing. I love it though. <laughs> and I, I'm hoping, I mean, I will put links if you can provide them, at least for Utah, since yeah. that's what you're familiar with. So mm-hmm. in the show notes for the podcast, I'll make sure to have, to have links at the bottom. So if you're local to Utah, you can yeah. at least grab some of those and, and get some information. I love that. And you kind of talked about a, like some of the resources that you provide. So say that early intervention, what ages is that for baby? That's zero to three zero months so like to three years zero oh to three years to yeah three years okay. so like from birth to three years okay yes so some of those early intervention things um but then I love that you talked about like this whole body so there's like you include self-care mm-hmm. and you talked about mindfulness do you want to touch on a couple of those things that go yeah. along with that yeah absolutely um so I think that's such an important part of where OTs can help moms um is with that 
mindfulness, whether you're struggling in your pregnancy um, through your journey or whether you're struggling afterwards with the baby blues, um, those are big things that we can address in terms of um, what's causing that. And, and again, we just, we break it down. We break down the routines throughout your day to see, okay, where, where does maybe a potential issue lie or where can we, where can we implement an adaptation or a change um, or a support? Um, so I think it's a big area that we can help in, but it's not well researched and there's not yeah. a much, there's not a lot of talk on it. Right. And there's not a lot of women who address that out there, but I think it's very important. I'm with you hundred percent. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, um, I don't know, as you're talking about this, it makes me think of moms and it's, there's a transition that happens whether or not you go back to work, right? So yeah. the transition from like no babies to I'm home with a baby all day and breastfeeding and yeah. trying to figure out sleeping and washing yourself and everything. <laughs> um, but then too, I like when we're talking about these like bigger life changes too, or transitions, I think of moms who need to figure out how to get their baby on a bottle, produce enough milk, find enough time for sleep, child care, making it back into the workspace, like all, you know, there's like a whole slew of stuff there. Mm -hmm. And so it sounds like occupational therapy is something that can help that transition. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And that's huge. Yeah. Like if I had somebody holding my hand for that transition, like, wow, I don't know. That's the difference between, yeah, Yeah. between um, sinking deeper into something like postpartum depression Mm -hmm. or being able to breathe. And Mm -hmm. that's huge. I know. And I, and I so wish that it was a part of like standard Sure. Standard care right after. That would be awesome. Like, wouldn't it? I think, like, if I it think was that part of that be... first six weeks. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. At a minimum. And, <laughs> and, and that's where it's tough, too, yeah. you know, because if you're in the hospital, you wouldn't see an occupational therapist in the hospital unless you went through some sort of injury or a very complicated mm-hmm. birth um, or you were in for some, you know, some reason that you'll need to recover in a way when it comes to rehabilitation. Yeah. So that's where, and that's where it's tough. Like where, where can you find that? Like, this sounds great. It's awesome. And I so wish it could be a standard of care afterwards, but at a minimum, I think it's just great to get the word out and tell people like how we can help them in terms of having that mindfulness piece. And then the whole transition with the routines and everything, it's just such a life changing event. And I, I mean, at least I felt like a completely different person because yeah. you adopt this whole new role. Yep. So yeah, it's definitely an area that I'm passionate about um, and educating people about and hopefully one day like to serve. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this is kind of like off the outline here, but are there things now that you've, you've done some of this and you've seen early intervention, you've had your own children if there were kind of like a checklist, I don't know if like head to toe is the right way or if it's like do this first and then this, looking at new moms who have had new babies now, are there things that stand out to you that like moms need to have focused time, energy, effort, or information on these things? Consistently I see this with all of my patients or I notice this with myself. Are there things that stand out consistently for you? Um at least in my experience with me personally, I just think that knowing that it's different for every person. So I feel like it's really hard to give that one size fits all like checklist. But I think there was a lot for me with not knowing how it was all going to go. So I think 
having that clarity on, okay, I know I'm going to have to breastfeed. I want to get education on it. Yeah. I think that would have helped me a lot. Okay. okay. I know that I'm going to lose a lot of sleep. <laughs> how do I cope with that? Yeah. Or like, how can I help, um, find ways to make up sleep in other ways? Um, or what support systems do you need right, to have in place? Right. What supports. And then I think a huge thing for me and my midwife really, um, drilled this in our head before they discharged us from the hospital was just open communication. Yeah. And just whether that's a friend, whether that's a, 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 a partner, whether that's a family member or somebody in the community, yeah. I think that relatability piece with this new role that for me, that was huge. And I think, I think a lot of people might feel alone out there and like, it can be very isolating, yeah. not knowing, oh, is this normal? I, I don't know if this is normal. Never it, mind the pandemic. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> I, I, you know, so yeah. I think, I think those would be my main things that I would say is the communication part is huge. Um, and yeah, just being prepped, yeah. like step, by step the breakdown of okay the breastfeeding if if that's something that you want to go into because sure. not that's not for everybody or if not breastfeeding what does bottle feeding look like yes because <laughs> that's a whole nother thing yeah. like what and size what the cost. bottle yeah yeah like the other things that go the along formula. with it how what, long do you are you gonna have to be up with them at yeah. night still and on all of that yeah. yeah and then i would probably add in there too that maternal infant bond i yeah. think i had a lot of education and understanding on that going into my um experience because of my schooling but that's something that a lot of people don't all have so I think that's something I wish I could give to moms is that the education on that and it's it's anywhere from communicating with your baby hours that they you know have mm -hmm. been brought into this world and connecting with them with touch and yeah. um just being able to care for your baby in that way and I think once that maternal infant bond is made and it's strong not only does that help the child's development, but it also helps mom's mental health. Sure. If mom feels confident, she's going to be great at caring for a kid. Yeah. So. Well, I think that's a great point too, because we have a lot of this I see, and this was my experience as well, when you have a cesarean birth mm -hmm. or you have any kind of like NICU state or something mm -hmm. that separates mom and baby. Mm -hmm. And we've, I mean, I've mentioned it on here before, but they're, they've done studies which were actually really interesting like and, and you know like even animals right like you remove mm -hmm. the babies from the mom and a lot of times she won't take them back I mean she'll straight up kill them you know like yeah. this is not my baby um, and it's the same with that it's not just oxytocin and stuff right but that's part of it that's mm -hmm. part of it but like you talk the skin to skin and the touching and the like communication like you're talking to your mm -hmm. baby and you're listening to those coos back and all of this helps us to form that relationship with our baby which helps us be a better mom absolutely like, and when you have that little bit of a gap where babies are taken away then it could be a little bit more work mm -hmm. but that work needs to happen <laughs> absolutely yeah. and the education how important it is yeah i think needs to be shouted from the rooftops it's right. not talked about enough right and there are a lot of studies and that was something i researched a lot when i was um in school in montana was that timing even with in the nicu like requesting, can they do this with me holding my baby? Can sure. can I be, can mom be a part of that process somehow? Right. You know, let's incorporate mom some way. Okay, if they need a feeding tube, can mom be a part of that somehow, somehow and feel that she's still providing for her child? Right. Somehow incorporating mom in that process because it is so stressful. Yeah. Um, and it does set, I think at times it can set this the stage for sure. 
you know, that, that relationship years down the road, it's very real. Yeah. Yeah, Those, those bonding, the bonding at the beginning. And I love that you just talk about even just being present or part of it Yeah, because, um, I wish I could find this. I I remember reading early on into like my birth stuff that mom and baby is so connected. Like they've studied their brain waves Mm -hmm. after birth, after like baby's not in the belly anymore and their, their brain patterns match while they're sleeping. Like exactly match. And you're like, you don't realize how connected you are. And then if you're completely pulled away from that, like Mm -hmm. no wonder you're feeling lost as a mom and imagine what that little baby I mean, babies, you know, they need to be held and loved. And I we know. need that as adults, dang it. So. I, know. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. I still need my mom. I know. <laughs> so it's huge. It's huge. I love that you're talking about this. It's yeah. awesome. Um, will you go into a little bit about, we talked about mom and kind of the help postpartum. We mentioned babies a little bit, but early intervention and you maybe specifically about newborns. You talked a little bit about breastfeeding, um, a child development, milestones, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Is mm-hmm. there anything else that you do with babies or newborns? Um, so there's some additional certifications occupational therapists can get. Awesome. Um, one of them being infant massage. So I love this. Which is so cool. Yeah. And that goes back to that maternal infant bond and that connection. And do you have the massage? I really wanted to get it. That was something <laughs> yeah. I wanted to do, like finishing yeah. up my year before I graduate. Um, and I don't think it's in the cards for me right now, but I think it's something I see myself doing in the future because yeah. if I could coach moms and caregivers on how to do that and you know make that connection, it, I mean, and it can help with things such as torticollis, which is the tightness in the mm. neck, which can cause many other things down the road. It can help with feeding. It can help with digestion, gas. It can help with um, just calming baby down. Um, so I think that that is a really cool piece that we can help with um, with infants. And then the feeding is huge. Yeah. Even if it's beyond the breast and bottle feeding, now introducing solids because that's stressful in itself. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we, we address that a lot and help with that. And if a child has any feeding disorders or conditions, um, we address and help with that too. I love that. Yeah. And then you talked to too um, that you can also take on some lactation mm-hmm. certification. Yeah. And so that makes me curious because I know I'm a big proponent of like find yourself an IBCLC. Yeah. Right. So like go to the master if you can. But if you're receiving care and it's for all of these things and maybe it's not something that needs to go directly to an IBCLC. Right. Um, what a benefit to have somebody that can help with just basic knowledge for these things we just had a a mom come in the other day that she was seeing an ibclc for a while Mm -hmm. it got too expensive so that's when someone uh, mentioned early intervention oh why don't you see an Mm. occupational therapist in early intervention it's more cost effective and they come into your home they can also keep an eye on your baby so it is kind of like a um good to have both yeah yeah to have it all and sure there are things where we'll have to refer out and, and that, yeah that's going to be my next question yeah or like next point so on top of the fact that you guys are very skilled when there is something that needs more specific uh, a specific place to go mm-hmm. you guys are also like crazy good for resources yes. correct yes okay. so and that's what's great about um working with your kids early too and working with moms because even I know speaking for myself as a mom like I am always worried (laughs) about any little thing (laughs) right so even if you're concerned about something and maybe your occupational therapist um, can't provide that service because it's not within our scope yes we can refer out to lactation we can refer out to um, special physical therapists we can refer out to um, 
uh, anything with like the gut, like GI stuff mm. or like working with fitting orthotics for, you know, feet or for shoes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's there's a slew of resources that we can provide in that sense. Um, I and, and again, that also varies state to state, like something we would talk about is the La Leche League, but that's nationwide. Right. Sure. Um, something that is state specific that first comes to my mind is in Montana, actually some of my classmates came up with a program called Cuddling Cubs. And it helps moms who may be feeling isolated or want more information as they transition into that new role on how do I care for my baby and what are some things I can do with my baby. Um, so Montana offers Cuddling Cubs and I'm sure there are other states that offer programs such as that, but it does vary state to state. Yeah. yeah. But I love that. That's something that um, we are asked to do as doulas, mm-hmm. right? And like any good doula will have incredible resources, mm-hmm. right? Like childbirth education or lactation consultants mm-hmm. or I would hope now occupational therapists mm-hmm. <laughs> nearby, but physical therapy and um, pelvic floor therapists. I mean, just yeah. the list goes on, mental health, all of that. And mm-hmm. so I love another resource that also has good resources yeah. for mom. I think that's really solid. Yeah. So another area where you can get an additional certification as an occupational therapist is in pelvic health. In addition to lactation, you can become a feeding specialist, pelvic health um, therapist. There's, um, again, like I said, the infant massage. There are perinatal mental health providers as well. Wow. Um, and again, it's just they're very specific, like specialized, <laughs> right. like unique um, certifications. And um, I think it would vary on where you could find them, but it's definitely within our scope and having that additional certification can help moms that, you know, that much more. So are there tons of occupational therapists everywhere? Like does every hospital have access to them? Does Should. Should? Yeah, okay. I'm, to, to my knowledge, yes, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to my knowledge. <laughs> yes, hospitals have them and we are in Schools, hospitals, outpatient clinics, um, we come into your home, we do home health, early intervention, which is through the school system and the Department of Health, depending on the state you're in. Um, but yeah, we are all over the place, but I, in my opinion, there's not enough of us. Yeah. Well, if I didn't even know about it. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Okay. Tell me about the best part. What's your favorite thing, best part for what you do? Ah, uh, there's so many things I love. <laughs> Um, I think my favorite part just in general with occupational therapy is that it's, it's so, because it's client centered, it's so different for each person you work with and there's not like a one size fits all for like a treatment approach. So you're always thinking on your feet, like you have to be Mm. creative and through that process, you're also building this like really intimate relationship with somebody, you know, because the things that encompass your daily life and activities, I mean, some of that is like intimate, like hygiene, you know, and getting in and out of bed, your mental health. And you just, you build a really close relationship with, um, your clients and your families. And I, I love that so much. I like that too. So I, I really, I really value that. Um, and especially right now working in early intervention, being in the homes is so cool Yeah, because you're not in the clinic having to think, Oh, how can the kid use this tool in home in the house do they have this tool that they can practice with in the house you're using things and resources in their own home to make adaptations and changes and help help them grow yeah which is really neat and you're you're growing with the kid too which is so awesome and watching them 
de- develop is really cool to me. That's neat. I, I have to bring it back to birth because yeah. I'm like, it reminds yeah, yeah. me of doula work. Mm-hmm. That's my favorite part is like you go to a provider and they're actually, I don't know if you guys know this, like um, doctors are not supposed to form close relationships with their patients mm-hmm. because it can mess with their ability to um, treat that patient. Oh. And so it's actually like a rule, like you can't, anyways, even, even for like a home birth midwife, if I have like a friend and I want her to be my midwife, like it would not be appropriate for her to be the only midwife there because she knows me very well. So she has to have a second midwife. Like anyway, so there's, oh. there's this kind of space that has to be respected so that yeah. they can have that decision making. Um, but as a doula, that's my favorite part is it's like, no, this is exactly about mm-hmm. you and we're going to form this relationship. And just like you said, it's, um, you know, not every birth is going to be the same. Not every mom's going to need yeah. the same things. And so it adapts that way. It's kind of that holistic approach. And it, all of it is bringing me back to like doula work seriously. Yeah. Even in the postpartum, when we're talking to moms, it's like I do from head to foot. This is why that came up for me when we yeah. were talking this evaluation, like top of your head, like ha- talk to me about what you're thinking right now. You know, what's going on in your mind? Tell me about your birth story. You know, we're going to take it all the way down. Like, what are some, you know, do you have positive people in your life? What are you hearing? What are you, like, food? What's your nutrition like? Take it down to the gut, Mm -hmm. like, all the way down. How's your bleeding? And, but it's that whole, it's not just about the physical body, right? It's, and how's your spirituality? How are, you know, what are you doing for you? Self-care, all of that. Sleeping, and I think that super matters. So, Mm -hmm. like, that's awesome. I think that doula work exists because that's my big thing, right? Because, A lot of, especially here in the United States, we have our babies and we don't see a provider for six weeks. A lot can happen in six weeks. A lot of terrible things can happen in six weeks that need to be addressed that if they were, wouldn't be so terrible. And it sounds like it's the same with occupational therapy. And when you're talking about early intervention, it's like there's a lot of things that can happen here Mm -hmm. that if we get it quick, Mm -hmm. we're on top of it and we've got a way better outcome. So what a beautiful thing. Right. Which is why I want to push so badly that that would just be a part standard of care. Yeah. Following you through just even if it is that six weeks. Yeah. I think that is such an important time that we can help. Yeah, I agree. Because it even just going from the hospital to home, I mean, <laughs> in itself, I talk know. about a transition. No kidding. Holy smokes. That I was mean, my, I'm like, you trust me to keep this baby alive for real? Right. I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. You can read every book out there. You oh. can listen to every podcast, yep. which yours is awesome. Thank you. Helped a lot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it just nothing will prepare you no. for that moment and second baby though do you feel a little better you're like oh i can keep this baby alive yeah i'm good maybe <laughs> yeah. i'm not there yet but yeah. <laughs> we'll see <laughs> but yeah i i just i really it would be i think we could really benefit with just that 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 time and that's what why my classmates created that cuddling cubs program oh these are classmates yeah yeah a program i love this yeah yeah and unfortunately it isn't only state in montana it's only montana but that's why they created it franchise yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's why they created it because so many moms go home and like what am i doing yeah i need help big time and and i think that's another hard part is like the asking for the help yeah it's not always there so now that it you know just getting the education out there and like what occupational therapy is People can advocate for it. Talk to your primary care about it. Yeah. If it's it seems like something that would be helpful based on the things that we can address. Um, but I, I think I think that transition piece is huge. 
Yeah. I mean, it changes your whole life. Yeah. Forever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time yeah. today. Thank you for introducing us, introducing me to occupational therapy so that I could bring it to all the listeners here. I yeah. really appreciate your time. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for having me. That's it for this week, but make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you get notifications first as I drop new episode every week. And don't forget to head over to myessentialbirth.com for all of the free downloads mentioned here and to join the birth course and community serving pregnant moms just like you. If you enjoyed this and other episodes, I would love it if you would take a few minutes to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. I read every single one and include one at the beginning of each episode. See you next week.